Welcome to Scats Chats, your destination for inspiration. Each episode, I chat with mental health professionals and everyday people just like you and me to talk about various wellness topics and the human experience. Get ready to feel inspired with another episode of... So Eric, thank you so much for hopping on Scats Chats. I appreciate you being on here and coming on today and telling your story and how, you know, music has been so influential in your life and how, you know, ultimately through tragedy, you found music and you found um, a way to give back and inspire others and create a whole business out of it. So I'm really excited to get into this chat about music today and for you to share your story and all that good stuff. So I'll pass it on to you to introduce yourself and um, say a little bit more about why you wanted to be on today. Sure. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Um, like said previously, I'm Eric Bauberger. I'm a holistic life coach and what I call a, a motivational singer-songwriter. I've been a singer-songwriter for a long time, but now my coaching has made its way into the types of songs that I write and the content that I sing about and try to create guidance around. Um, you know, my my story a little bit is, has been changing like all of our stories. We always seem to be going one way and then life shows you something where you then maybe go in another direction. But I feel like mm -hmm. I've always been graciously heading to this place that I am now. And music for me was probably the only way since a very young age that I knew how to connect with myself. I never realized mm -hmm. how disconnected I was from myself until you know, certain levels of anxiety and stress and, and just internal hardship unfolded. Um, music for me has become something not just, not just medicinal for me, like of course, whatever creative outlet we have um, is medicinal for us and helpful for us in some way, but it's become something that I feel this I don't want to say this urge, but this consistent push to share in a way to serve as a form of guidance for other people. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure how much you want me to go into the story now of, of this tragic experience that, that became a very nourishing and inspiring experience for me. But that was this pivotal moment where I was able to understand that I, I had something that was very useful, which was a particular mindset, a particular attitude that I brought into a situation. And not only did I recognize that I could teach other people this because it was very useful, it's a great tool, it helped me um, move through something very dense with, with a lot of light and, and again, grace and ease and flow. Um, but I also realized that this is the, you know, this story and what I'm, the message that I have from this story, I need to put it in the form of music. And mm. my sister was always my biggest fan. So like, even still just in the hospital, I was like, I have to, I have to sing about this. It's got to be put into song. Mm, certainly. Yeah. I mean, of course, definitely whatever you're comfortable and willing to share, I would love to get into that as well. Because I feel like, 
you know, maybe your story resonates with other people or people have experienced a similar thing. And I think that no matter what it is, it's important for people to know that they're not alone in whatever they, whatever they go through. So yeah, I would, I would love to hear more about, you know, your experience of what happened. Yes. And thank you. Um, and it's, it's always funny because no matter how many times I tell this story, like I mentioned before, even though um, like the course seems to change, I recognize how early the, the, the significant points of the story begin, mm -hmm. um, if that makes sense. I realize how far it goes back. It's like, where do I even begin? But I think it's important to preface the story with, I was someone that was very overly conscious of being as good as I could be at whatever it was. I was mm -hmm. very goal oriented. I was an overachiever, but to a fault. Um, so much so that I was chronically anxious and it became very somatic or physical in my body, that stress and shakiness and just feeling this disharmony in my body. But it also burned me out very much so. By the time I finished college, I was like this burned out robot, mm -hmm. kind of just going with the motions of life. But fortunately, in college, I came across, um, I discovered meditation. It was shown to me in a class. I was taught what anxiety really was. I'm like, oh, this is what I'm experiencing all the time. Mm -hmm. And then meditation allowed me to experience at least a moment in which my mind became quiet and I felt that stillness and I could then differentiate like, oh, this is, this feels really good. And then most of the time I don't feel so good. My mind is always anticipating. It's always in the future. Mm -hmm. So discovering meditation begins to open me up to understanding my mind. Like I was always interested in psychology, but I started to go down the rabbit holes of like, what is consciousness? What is awareness? Um, what is my relation to this universe? And, you know, what, what the hell's going on kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I was then given a book called The Power of Now by my dentist, actually. So I was given this book, The Power of Now, and it immediately pointed my attention back to myself mm -hmm. as the source of my experience, as this, um, as this conscious energy um that's different from all the roles that i play like i'm something more than just my name and my physical body and the things that i do and all the things that i identify with mm -hmm. so it helped me understand like okay there's this form part of me this ego this human eric that does these things and then there's my awareness which is formless which is shapeless which is just a presence it can't be contained or even truly defined it's it's almost it's void of anything so i begin to develop this relationship with that part of myself there's a form eric and then there's a formless part of me and i'm consistently trying to understand what that is more and more mm -hmm. i discover the law of attraction i discover different schools of thought that i i'm trying to again expand this awareness like what am i really what what is all this going on and life starts to get easier from this point of view, this idea of being present. Like we have to be in the moment if we're to be aware. We have to be present, but we also have to be in a state of surrender. And that idea, I don't want to say it doesn't compute for some people, but I think there could be a negative connotation around surrendering 
meaning like giving up, mm-hmm. you know, like, but, it, but that's not what it's about. It's about showing up fully, but allowing whatever is there to be there. There's no resistance to it. And there's then a conscious movement with whatever life is giving you. So I learned this just in time for life to throw this curveball and say like, you know, here's this essentially. And, mm-hmm. and what that curveball was, was a phone call from my mom saying that my older sister had just overdosed. Mm-hmm. And over the last month or so, we could tell that she was struggling, but this wasn't some like lifelong battle with addiction that we were aware of and, and suffering through as a family. That wasn't it at all. It was this beautiful experience with her. Things started to get shaky and then boom, hmm. she was in a coma. And while, while when news like that hits you, it's sur- you're not fully comprehending what's being said. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I'm not thinking like, oh, she might die. But it's kind of surreal. But soon after I'm beginning to process what's happening, I become aware that I need to be present if I'm going to show up as my best self. And I need to surrender. I need to let go and trust that what's happening is is happening for me. So Mm -hmm. I'm choosing the attitude that I'm coming into this situation with. And one principle that I think is important when it comes to the idea of surrendering is that when we, when we cling on to things, when we get attached to the outcome, that's when we suffer more when things don't go our way. It's not that it's wrong to have a desire to move towards something, but the stickier we are to that thing, mm-hmm. the more painful it becomes mm-hmm. when that thing doesn't work out how you expect or imagine or hope that it will be. So I know that if I'm to make this process less suffering, like if I'm supposed to, or if I'm to make this situation as painless as possible and suffer the least, I have to surrender. Mm-hmm. And that's one, again, that's one attitude that I brought in. And the other <laughs> attitude was, was the part of me that became highly engaged. And in that engagement, I was aware that if I could energetically influence this situation, and this is like law of attraction um, a concept, if I'm to influence this, I need to maintain an, an emotional energy of gratitude. Mm-hmm. If I am to see you know, what's good about this situation, if I am to recognize the potential in this situation for the best possible outcome, I'm going to tune into that feeling of gratitude. So I recognize this as an opportunity to grow and to also completely let go and just trust what's happening because it's going to hurt to hold on anyway. So Mm -hmm. I go along for the ride. And there is a period throughout, we were in the hospital for 11 days while my sister was in this coma and we had to wait for her to get a little more normalized before we could have a true brain reading to really understand what was going on. Mm -hmm. And through that time, it seemed like she was beginning to, compared to what she looked like at first and how her body was presenting, it seemed like the situation began to evolve and change. So we're like playing frequencies for the brain through the phone. We're playing her old favorite music. We're playing the TV show Friends on TV. We're telling 
stories about her. We're keeping the energy so high and using essential oils and diffusing them and putting them around her nose, this one particular that was supposed to stimulate the brain and we're stretching her. And the energy was so noticeable that like the nurses commented, like we've never seen mm. such a good or witnessed such a good energy. Mm -hmm. So there's a period where I'm thinking this is actually working. I'm, I'm creating a miracle. I'm, I'm contributing to this healing, this desire to be a light in this darkness. I'm witnessing the reflection back at me, but still detached, detached from any outcome. And come the 11, uh, the 11th day of her stay, and they looked at her brain scan, and they said she was gone for too long. They didn't mm -hmm. know how long she was out for. Um, before they brought her back. And it was kind of just this waiting game to really see what was there. And in that moment where I realized, okay, I didn't, I didn't save her. You know, I probably, I don't know to what degree I really believe that I could, but I still showed up in a way that tried to contribute. In that moment, I felt relief. I mm. knew that she didn't have to suffer. Like mm. if she did come back, what would she, if she was, a, you know, in a, veg, in a vegetable state, what, what kind of life would she live after that point? So I felt this relief, but I also began to recognize that the miracle or the gift within this tragedy wasn't my sister coming back, but what she allowed me to connect to. Mm -hmm. and, and that connection was to every part of her that was not her physical body. So like I mentioned before, when I'm reading this book, I'm like, okay, there's a part of me that's my ego, my physical body, and then there's a part of me that's formless, timeless, beyond space. And so I open myself to receive that part of my sister. I'm like, okay, this body was always temporary, but what part of her is formless? Like her soul, basically? Yes, you could say, yep, you could say her soul, her mm -hmm. essence, um, her presence even. And that presence, be, especially during that time, began to filter its way back into my physical experience and that I could feel her energy around mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. And the sense that I got from it, it wasn't like I wasn't seeing a ghost, I wasn't I wasn't hearing voices. It, it wasn't anything more than this unshakable feeling that her presence was around me and the presence was loving towards me. Mm -hmm. And it was telling me, and not verbally, but the feeling I got was that everything is okay. All is well. This is not the end. Everything is, everything is working out as it should. And as I opened myself up to that feeling and I could feel her love for me, I then even began to feel her love come through other people. So like her friends that, that I knew that loved her so much. I could feel not just their love for me, but her love in union with their love for me. And I could feel her love for them. And she became this like unifying force almost. And, and this connection that I made to her became my connection to all of that bigger energy that is beyond me like i could understand it conceptually mm -hmm. but now i could feel and i began to learn how to sense that love that was around me and that love helped me begin to understand what self-love was Ooh. yes okay. so feeling nice. her love for me led to understanding how to love myself and 
while I do try to like teach certain principles about, you know, this awareness and how to feel your emotions rather than think about them and to recognize when your beliefs are fear-based or based in ego and they're, and they're, they're not really true. Mm -hmm. Like, even though I talk on these points, most of the work that I do now as a coach is to guide people to love the parts of themselves that they didn't even recognize that they were judging to begin with. Mm -hmm. And that's the content of my music as well. I point to the present moment. I point to, you know, this idea that each individual is a microcosm of the entire universe, this perfectly, um, you know, the energetic expression of, of life itself, unique, to, um, you know, like a snowflake. There's, there's not mm -hmm. more than one of each individually beautiful person. So while I sing about that stuff, it's real. The deeper message is you gotta love yourself, and you sh and not that you should love yourself, but if you recognize yourself as more than just the things that you think and feel and say and do, then you begin to create the space that allows the awareness to bring that self love in. I absolutely love that. Yeah, that's that's really interesting how it kind of like all connects back to you in a way. I mean, I've certainly felt that myself, but I never was quite able to, um, I guess, describe it or depict it as well as you just did right now. But yeah, thank that's you. very interesting. And um, yeah, thank you for sharing that as well. Um, I think with, you know, um, death of a loved one in general is just hard to go through. But I think that you've definitely learned the... And not to say that there's one right way, but, you know, a better way to experience it for you as someone who's going through this and kind of, um, cause on my head, it says choose positivity. I don't know if you've, if you mentioned, if you saw that, but, um, yeah, it's, it's right there. Right. But I think that it's not necessarily the positive way, but it's kind of like you said, like releasing like control, because a lot of people I think want to have control over situations. And a lot of times mm -hmm. we can't obviously you know, what you went through was a situation where you can't control it. You're, you know, no, like, medical expert, if you will. You're not the one who's trying to, you know, bring your sister back in that way. But I think the fact that you kind of turned it into more of a holistic thing, we're trying to um, just keep the positive, not positive, but keep the the good energy, I guess, flowing. And mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm sure that really helped, you, you know, your your family kind of cope with this as well. And to see that, it's not just her being gone forever, like her soul lasts, you know, as all of ours, you know, last for this um, unlimited amount of time and space. And just like you said, it has no form or specific, like, you know, like definition, if that makes sense. So very mm -hmm. interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you for re-articulating it back to me in that way. And, um, and it, it made me realize the significance of saying that, yes, while I wasn't just being positive, because that's what we could try to, we could try to be as positive as we, as we can and to, to practice having positive thoughts is undoubtedly a wonderful thing. Mm -hmm. But sometimes we could keep trying to be happy and positive while denying what doesn't feel so good. Mm -hmm. And that isn't what happened. You know, I don't want to seem like someone that's like, this, you know, this isn't bad just because, you know, I don't want to let it affect me. But in that state of surrender and in that trust that everything was good, 
all the emotions of grief were able to flow through me rather than get stuck, rather than feeling mm -hmm. that discomfort of sadness and anger and helplessness and disappointment. Rather than holding those back, I was just open to feel them and they, my tears flowed through me. My anger was there, but it moved. Not only does feeling our emotions in a way that allows them to move through us, help us heal and it helps us feel more whole, but it also allows us to get into a more expansive energy that makes all the steps that we take in life that much easier. Mm. So anytime we feel stuck in our physical life, there's typically an emotion that is stuck impartially on the level of mind, what you're believing to be true. Um, it's stuck because there may be a subconscious judgment about that part. Mm -hmm. One example being, you know, as a kid, I was never really grounded or like I was, didn't really have authoritarian parents, but I recognize now that when I was angry, I wasn't really validated in my anger. No one was like, oh, I'm, I see that you're angry. What are you angry about? It was never really like that. It was just like, let him get it out of his system on his own. Mm -hmm. So unconsciously, I formed this belief that, oh, I'm not lovable when I'm angry because mm. it was never validated. So now, or you know, not, not so much now because I've been able to work through a lot of it, but something that presented itself was this anger that would get triggered by certain situations, but because unconsciously I was put judging it, I couldn't allow it to move. But as I allow that anger to move out, just recognizing it, you know, what it wants, which is really just a boundary of some kind. Typically when we're frustrated or angry, it's usually a boundary that's being crossed. But once that anger could then move, then I could understand what was vulnerable underneath. Mm-hmm this sadness or this fear of not being lovable. And once I felt those emotions and let them flow through me, again, surrendering to the anger rather than pushing it down, my life around me began to rearrange itself. Like physical things start happening in reflection. And while maybe there were definitely a couple moments where I could have been a little more forward or direct and been the one to ignite or initiate something, it just happened on its own, really. Mm -hmm. And it's, again, to emphasize the way that the world around us reflects that inner state or that inner flow of energy that we either allow and surrender to or we resist. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I think that's kind of something that I am currently working on in therapy, too, as well as like that inner like self-compassion of, um, you know, when you when you feel these necessarily unpleasant emotions like anger or sadness or what have you is to not like deny them and not um like i guess you know like put them in a different compartment in your mind and say oh like i i don't want to go there i don't want to touch that you know what i mean mm -hmm. it's to kind of like actually experience that and feel that um for yourself and that way you will gain more self-compassion because you're feeling these certain things if that makes sense somehow yeah. Yeah. In, in that feeling of our feelings, as redundant as that sound, as the, as we physically feel, or as we feel the physical sensation of an emotion, right? It's not like it, you know, anxiety isn't just something in the mind. It's very somatic, visceral, there's tension. 
And the more you allow yourself to feel how that emotional energy is expressing itself, mm -hmm. just that feeling is nurturing, is compassionate. Yeah. Yeah, that's very true. I think on. it's yeah, it's just important to have to have that self-compassion for sure because I mean, we are all humans and we do have a beautiful wide range of emotions so no matter how um, you know, pleasant or unpleasant they are. And it's it's good to feel all of those things and and definitely um, you know, you felt all those things with dealing with this, you know, um unfortunate tragedy with your sister as well, but I think it's like you said, you were kind of able to find those blessings in disguise, not only in your own life and what you do now, but the fact that you were able to open up and to feel all of these things too, because a lot of people, I guess, just don't, you know, don't want to feel those things. And it's important too, because that's how you really like connect with people. And now you're obviously connecting with people. You have your own, you know, coaching business and music and things like that. So it's really interesting how that you know, flipped into what you're doing now. So tell us a little bit more about that too. Like, what are you, you know, how did this, I guess, transpire after, after this tragedy here? Great question. It, it was, again, a very seamless unfolding that I recognize now was kind of always in motion, but the musician in me was always separate from the way I showed up as a professional in my line of work. Mm -hmm. Um, I worked in the physical therapy realm for a period of time. I worked as a personal trainer, and then I recognized I wanted to become a life coach because of how how dramatically I was able to shift my own experience through changing my mindset and learning these things. But again, I didn't see exactly how – I knew that my music, I could sing about what I experienced, and that was going to be beautiful in and of itself – but I didn't realize how the coach and the music were going to come together. Mm -hmm. And when I went through my coaching certification process, inevitably, as I began to heal these fragmented pieces of myself that I had yet to integrate and recognize the ways that my mind was subconsciously limiting me, the more music came out of me, the more songs got written, the more I could feel my own vibe as I played, the, just, I got better at singing. All these art, you know, artistic, creative abilities were enhanced as I continued to self-love and heal on that inner level. Mm -hmm. And that transpired into doing workshops where I teach people different tools, whether it's a, a meditative process or a breathwork tool, talking about these concepts, and then started layering my music into the stories that I was telling or like something that I felt I was singing about could could kind of at least capture the essence of what I was trying to present and to make digestible and accessible and, and practical. Mm -hmm. And, you know, bringing us back a little bit, when I was in the hospital, I had begun writing a song about the nature of the universe. There's mm -hmm. so, one of my favorite philosophers, his name is Alan Watson. He talks about Buddhism, but he, he, he talks about all these Eastern philosophies like Zen, but, but, shares it in in union with western like a, a western approach to looking at the worlds but he does it in such a beautiful way so i start to write this song about that just saying you know this universe is is formless is shapeless it's you know it's always growing but it's also falling apart and when i was in the hospital i recognized that what i was describing in the song was what i was experiencing with my sister mm -hmm. 
So I took this song and rather uh, every time I said the word it, I changed it to she. And this song now called She Is Home kind of just wrote itself hmm. and captured that experience. And as I did that, it was a, you know, I'm very proud of the song. I love the song. I, you know, I'm happy that I could have written it for in, in honor of my sister. But I recognized that it was just capturing a small part of the story. Like I needed to tell the story up to that point to contextualize what I'm now presenting. So I told the whole story in poetry form. Like I wrote it out, like from the moment that my mom calls me, I write the whole experience out. And so it's this story in poetry form that then leads into the song. And slowly but surely I recognize like, man, I could do this for all my songs or I could do this for my whole life. I could poetically tell the story that's touching upon certain principles where, you know, the vulnerabilities, all these human challenges in the human, while my, while my experience is unique to me, the, the emotions I'm speaking of are universal. I could tell my story yeah. and then use a song to kind of really, you know, I, I move my hands like this because I feel like it brings the energy up, but it mm -hmm. also kind of grounds what I'm saying on a vibrational level. And so this turned into what I call a self-help rock opera. I love I, that. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> thanks. Yeah. So I tell, you know, I tell my story from, you know, from beginning to now. Um, and it's, it's the story of a wrestler, like a, a, a boy that's naturally musical who takes the course of an athlete and becomes a wrestler because he's trying to be masculine and, and reach this idea of success and he loses himself in it. And then he discovers the present moment and through that moment is then able to move with life in a very powerful and meaningful way. So while I tell the story and there's songs all throughout and it's just going to be this audio version, I've also created a workbook that'll mm. not break down each song, but use each song as a frame of reference for a particular either uh, mindset tool or emotional tool with the hopes, because I believe people will listen to this and get something at whether they like music or they like, um, you know, new age thinking for consciousness and just personal development. I think people will enjoy that in and of itself, but this workbook is to get people into action because that's the hardest thing for us to do. We could read a boat, uh, a boat. We could read a book that alters our way of thinking and opens us up and, and we're permanently changed. We could read a quote that inspires us. We could learn something and it inspires us. But then when it comes to taking actual steps towards that bigger vision, mm -hmm. the, the subconscious fears are keeping us back. So the while the, the musical or the rock opera is intended to open people up and to help them feel and see a little differently, the workbook is intended to then use that to guide people into action. And that's what makes me, you know, that's what makes this coaching that I do and not, you know, therapy. And therapy is beautiful and there there's certainly certain things that are out of my scope. Um, but the processes I use are very therapeutic with that edge of guiding people into action or just changing their habits in a way that supports what they really want and really nourishes them and allows them to be that most authentic version of themselves, happy and whole mm -hmm. and expressive and creative and dancing with life. And that's the name of the rock opera is dancing is the point.
Dancing is the point. Oh, I like that. And to bring back what you mentioned too, like, you know, you could read a self-help book, but like, how are you going to implement that into your own life? It's kind of like telling you, you know, things and educating you in that way. But it's like how some people may not know how to bring it back into their own life. But I absolutely love all of this. And I want to check out your music too. So where can people find you out there to check out your music and coaching, Eric? Thank you for asking. I have a Linktree account or a Linktree link that I could share that has my current music on there. It has um, like kind of like a, what's the word that I'm looking for? Kind of like a beta exercise for the workbook where it's a song that I that I wrote and recorded that's intended to get you into a certain energy mm -hmm. um, included with a four-step PDF of an exercise to turn that energy into a nourishing action. So that's on my link tree. Um, and everything that, that will soon come out will be through that link tree account. People could access everything. Sweet. Awesome. So we'll put that in the episode description as well so people can access that. Yeah, this is great. Well, I'm curious to check out, you know, all this stuff as well. It sounds really like effective and, you know, to, I mean, even chatting with you today, Eric, you seem like such a great soul and just, you know, you, I'm sure you uplift people a lot just by speaking to them. So um, thank you so much again for coming on the podcast. And I appreciate you sharing everything. I'm, I'm sure it's still maybe hard to talk about a little bit at this point, but I think for people out there who can relate, the fact that there could be something really powerful and effective and good that can come out of any tragic situation is important to know. So I think that a lot of people can relate and it brings people out there reassurance that, you know, there is, there is life after this, you know, after anything, basically. Yes, very well put. And one note to add is that the tragedy or the obstacle, whatever block there seems to be, ironically, that is the way. The obstacle mm. is the way. The blocks are the stepping stones. This, you know, this thing that's seemingly horrible inside of that is that golden nugget or that silver lining that will take you right to where you really want to go. Hmm. I love that. I love that. And that's the perfect thing to leave this episode on. So thank you so much. Again, appreciate it. And have a good rest of your day. Thank you very much. You as well. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Find out more about us at www.scatschats.com. Special thanks to NK Arts, who designed our logo, Daddy Lackis for writing and producing our theme song, Joe Papadenitz for branding photos, and our friend Abby for social media. Scat